If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22-33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning Jesus came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he had noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and he began sinking. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, You are the Son of God. We, as a society, think we are good at multitasking. What we are really good at is being distracted. And here is a story about Peter's focus and his attention and the disciples' attention and focus. And one of the things that I like to do uh, sometimes is when I'm preaching is I'll, I'll make a Facebook post that I ask people a question that relates to the topic of the week. And, and this week I ask people, what are your biggest distractions? And there's different kinds of answers. Uh, some of those answers were people, which you can assume. Uh, what kind of people? You know, your kids or your spouse or coworkers or uh, all sorts of people that distract us. Also, some of the people that distract us are ourselves, right? That it's, it's something about myself, it's my anxiety, it's my chemical balance of the day, whether I've had coffee or not, or all of those kinds of things that uh, we ourselves just can't help to notice ourselves and we get distracted by ourselves. And then we get distracted by our things. And the, the thing that gets us most distracted that people like to talk about is our phones, whether that's uh, phone calls or lights going off or the phone vibrating or an app or whatever it is, our phones distract us really easily. And they're designed to do that. They're designed to get our attention. Um, But they distract us quite a bit. Uh, And this comes up in public conversation, usually around driving, though our health is tied up to uh, our ability to focus sometimes. But in driving, we, we have a lot of accidents because of distracted driving. And sometimes the stats on that are a little bit challenging. Uh, to know every time in which an accident happened because someone was distracted. Uh, But there's a lot of reasons why distracted driving is really hard. Uh, For example, if you're looking at a phone, your eyes not being on the road, right? That that makes it harder to drive when you're not visually looking out on the road. If you've got a phone in your hand, that's one hand less to be able to steer, right? If something comes up, you have a, a lack of ability to hold the wheel. And then just cognitively, our brain, we're thinking about other things, right? If we're thinking about something on our phone, we're not thinking about 
what's out on the street and what's going on with driving. And so you can understand why all of these, start, these factors start to add up and it gets harder for us to drive while we're distracted. Uh, and so they, they've done a bunch of studies on this and one of those studies talked about um, that we are four times more likely to have an accident while being distracted from our phones, whether that's in our hands or just hands-free, that we are more likely to get in an accident that way uh, than the average intoxicated while driving uh, individual, which is kind of startling to hear that kind of a stat. Um, but there's a, a, a researcher named Paul Atchley who gave a TED talk in 2018 about distraction. And one of the things he did that I thought was most powerful was he just showed a picture of someone distracted driving, but he was on a motorcycle, but both hands were on a phone, and he was looking on his phone while driving a motorcycle down the road, uh, which maybe hits home even more of like, wow, like that seems like that would be a little dangerous. Uh, but he did a study where he talked about the brain of what goes on when we're distracted, when we're multitasking. Uh, they, they showed some people a, a picture of a traffic scene and they knew that they were gonna be asked some questions about what's going on in the scene. So people are looking at the, the photo and meanwhile they are imaging the brain. And then they asked the same people uh, to look at another traffic scene, but they had music playing in the background. It doesn't even really matter what music or, or whatever, it just, they also added something else going on that your brain was processing. And while your brain was listening to music, the brain region that is, is visual, that's looking at the scene, reduced by 40% just because of something else going on. And that's really hard to imagine or understand that just having music playing, the ability to see the brain processing power got moved from just visual to these other areas. And many of us are distracted by things all the time. You think about how often your phone's going off, how often, uh, you know, if you're trying to work from home in the midst of a pandemic and your kids are running around or whatever's happening, we think we are good at multitasking sometimes, but really we're just becoming used to being distracted. And it's hard to become focused once we've become used to being distracted. And so I wonder what it is for us to regain our attention. I think part of multitasking and part of having all of this attention grabbers out there is, is realizing there's plenty of things we could put our attention on, but what deserves our attention? And not just in the short term, but also a big picture. How do we keep our focus for the long term? And so with that, we're going to walk into the story today from Matthew. And just to give you the background, the story we read last week of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, that's the story right before this scene. So if you, were, if you watched, if you listened, if you uh, were here for our service last week, all the stuff going on in that scene, you could bring into this story. Jesus wants to be able to get away, to, to rest, to kind of take some relief. In the last story we heard that they couldn't even get food to eat without being, you know, crowded in by everybody wanting help. And last week, Jesus, even while they're trying to retreat, he sees the crowds, he has compassion, he decides to help them. And so they're still trying to figure out how to get away, how to get some rest. And into that story, Jesus dismisses the crowds that he's just fed, and he puts the disciples on a boat, and then Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray by himself. And so we pick up the story with the disciples on the boat. We're not quite sure, like, are they trying to get to the other side in Matthew's version or not? 
Um, but we know there's a wind going, and at least the boat is at least drifting out further into the lake while Jesus is by himself praying. And so we enter in with the disciples in this story. Matthew writes, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And I think we could probably uh, imagine going into the disciples' feet. If you saw Jesus walking on the sea, you'd probably be a little confused at least confused, a little bit fearful, a little bit of what's going on. And the disciples are, are afraid. They're already kind of got the wind and the waves going, and then they see Jesus, they think they see him on the sea, and they're not sure. And they're like, wait, is that a ghost? Is that Jesus? Who is that? What is that? And I think about our own abilities to discern. How do we discern what's from God uh, or what's just a ghost? What's something that's ephemeral that, that won't last? You know, and these things, these opportunities, these things that show up in our lives is we have to decide what gets our attention, what gets our focus. What's the ghost that I can't actually grab onto? It's not going to last. It's not going to endure. It's not going to make an impact. And then what are the things that are from God that are, that are going to make an impact, that are going to make a difference, uh, that are going to affect the crowds, that are going to heal them and teach them and, and feed them? And we're all in the midst of that discernment of that thing on the horizon. What is that? Is that God there? Or is that just a ghost? Um, a mirage of something that I feel like my focus should be on. And so in the disciples' case, they, they see and, and, and they, they cry out in fear. And Jesus says, it's me. <laughs> hey, it's I. Uh, take heart. Don't be afraid. And so you're kind of going to be left with, what do I do with that? What do I do with Jesus on the sea? What if I think I see God at work in the world. I think I see something that lasts, that matters, that's important. What do I do in that moment? What, what would you do or what would you say if you're the disciples in this boat? Thankfully, we get an example. Peter often likes to be the one to stand up and make that, I'll try, right? And if you think about all things that you could say, you know, you're on the boat, the wind, the waves, things are a little bit messy. What would you ask for? What would you say? Peter asked Jesus to command him to do something. Uh, it says in Matthew, Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. What an interesting question or interesting thing to say or do uh, when faced with Jesus on the sea here. You know, that Jesus says, if you command me, I will do it. You know, how many of us would ask anybody to command us to do anything? Right? We don't live in a society that likes authority, that likes submitting to authority, that likes being told what to do. Uh, you don't have to look around very much to realize that problem, right? I mean, uh, since the pandemic, how many stories have you heard about violence around uh, entrances to stores and mask mandates? right, of um, the, the security guard at Flint in that dollar store that was, was murdered uh, over wearing masks, um, the 77-year-old man in Lansing that was stabbed after a confrontation around masks. Like, the fact that we can't even handle that conversation lets us know we have a hard time with people telling us what to do, right? And we all have our own internal thing to struggle with on that of, like, what am I willing to submit to 
Um, whether that's on a small level or big level about what God might command us to do or call us to do in the world, and am I willing to say yes to that? And here, Peter has this really interesting glimpse of him saying, hey, Jesus, command me to come to you on the water. We are used to talking about the end of this story in Peter's faith, because Jesus is going to say, hey, you, you have little faith. You know, like, you were so close, Right? But what faith does Peter have here in the scene already? He's like, you know, he's struggling. He's like, I think that I'm supposed to go out to Jesus here. And Jesus doesn't reject that. He's like, I don't know if I have the faith to get out and actually do it, though. Jesus, tell me. <laughs> tell me to come to you and I'll come. You know, I, I can't do it on my own, but if you'll just command me, I will do it. And how many of us long for, I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know whether to go towards this or not. Like, God, just, just tell me. Should I go to you or not? Are you there or not? Call me out of this boat and I'll do it. And so Jesus says, come on, Peter. And Peter gets out of the boat and he starts making his way to Jesus. And I think we shouldn't neglect how big of a step that is. Like there's the literal scene of like trying to actually get out of a boat and walk on the sea. But like anytime we try to leave the comfort of whatever is our status quo, whatever is our normal situation, and actually to follow Jesus and God out into the world, uh, we should commend Peter for having the faith to even get out of the boat. Because so many of us were not willing to even get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus. And so Peter gets out and he leaves the comfort of the boat and the safety of it and starts walking toward Jesus. And he starts walking. And it says that Peter notices some things. Matthew writes... When Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And I don't know in what ways exactly he notices the strong wind. Uh, probably on the sea, uh, the waves are starting to really build. Uh, maybe if they've got something in the boat, it's flapping in the wind or, or a sail or something like that. But like the scene is getting more chaotic. The winds look strong and, and powerful. And at some point, Peter stops looking at Jesus and starts noticing, I don't know that I'm safe here. And out of the boat, he starts losing focus on Jesus and starts sinking. And I like that imagery. It's, it almost feels to me like he's in sinking sand, you know, like this quicksand or something like that. Not like water in which you would just drop, you know. Uh, but it's almost like it's this gradual sinking that's happening here. And as he starts to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And I, I wonder how many times, even when we've actually built up the courage to follow God and the world and get out of the boat, we start to notice all of the potential dangers, all the potential problems, and we start sinking and we start losing focus of the very thing God has called us out of the boat to go do. And I, I recognize in this season, there's plenty of distractions. We're in a very strange world right now, and everybody has their own versions of seeing how life is different and what distracts us in these moments. Uh, but one of those ways uh, for me in this season was we had to figure out how do we go from our, our usual regular in-person worship services to suddenly we're trying to pre-record and, and stream out those services. And suddenly you start looking through a camera lens, you start having to get, make sure your audio is getting through the computer and you're doing all of these decisions and all of these things to try to make sure uh, that people are able to see Jesus out of the boat of wherever they're at, 
be invited to get out of the boat and go to Jesus wherever they are when they're worshiping. And in the middle, middle of that, uh, maybe you know our inside joke that it seems like we always ended up kind of forgetting about our candles back here, that you've got everything else you're trying to work on, and there's always still another distraction. There's just, oh, I thought of everything else here. Why can't I remember the candle, <laughs> right? It's, it's such a little thing, and yet enough little things, we, we lose sight, we get distracted. And so, you know, from the leader's perspective, we're trying to figure out how to get all of those distractions that we can out of the way. But one of the things that this season teaches us is we literally can't make there be no waves, no wind. There will always be distractions. And I know that's the case because for everyone who's worshiping with us online, I have no idea what context you're watching the service from, right? Like, are you laying in bed holding your phone up? Are you seated in your living room? Are you watching on the TV? Is there other music going? Is there kids running around? Like, there are so many ways that you could be experiencing worship with us today. And, and we have, have no control over the wind and the waves that you might be experiencing. What we do hope is that we are, are pointing you towards not a ghost, but the living Jesus that invites you to worship, that invites you to get out of whatever boat of comfort you're in, to follow him to a life uh, that is meaningful, that, that heals, that, that feeds, that, that has lasting, long purpose. And in the midst of whatever distractions there are in the room or wherever you are, can you put your eyes towards Jesus and, and let all those other distractions fall off? That we don't need to multitask Jesus and other things. Like, like God is calling us to a purpose. Can we get our focus on where God is calling us? And so we're all invited uh, into that scene of, of going out to Jesus, keeping our focus on him, not looking at the waves and the wind. But if you do fall short, because spoiler alert, we will, Right? And it's an everyday problem, it's an everyday challenge, it's an everyday tension that even on your good day, there's moments where you are going to fall short on this, right? That our distra distractions win out and we start to sink and we start to look at everything else. But the part of the good news of this story is that Peter can still cry out and say, Lord, save me and be saved. That it wasn't just like a one moment thing of like, Jesus is just Savior in one moment or anything like that. It's Jesus is, is the one on the waters. He's the one feeding the crowds. He's the one calling you out of the boat. And when you even fall out of the boat, Jesus is still there to save you. And so take heart in that, that on that path to focusing on Jesus and the world, um, we're going to get distracted. Uh, but when that happens to cry out, Lord, save me, get my focus back on you, and, and God will be there to save you, uh, as God always does. And so, where has Jesus been inviting you out of a boat into the, the sea? You know, you, have you felt any sort of pull or, or uh, you know, God is inviting you out into something new? Or, uh, you know, there's a friend that you haven't reached out to that God's maybe saying you should check in on this person. Or, or maybe there's a ministry or a mission activity or... Uh, maybe there's an organization you want to support. Like, where is God pulling your spirit? Have you taken the moment to discern, is that God there? Is that the ghost? Is that God? And if so, can I say yes to that? Can I head that direction? Can I focus on where God is calling me? 
when there's a million reasons to be distracted and to start sinking and fall short. And what would it be if we as a community were a community full of people who were all making that decision together, that we each are trying to live our lives that way so that we were a community who didn't just want to live in the boat of safety, but I think I see God on the horizon there. I think I see Jesus on the sea there. Let's trust that. Let's go that direction. And if we had enough people uh, in our families, in our churches, in our, in our cities who said yes to following wherever God led us, we know that there would be a lasting difference in the world uh, internally and externally. And so what kind of community do we want to be? What kind of people do we want to be? I want to read you the end of this story from Matthew. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught Peter and saying to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. What we give our attention to orients our spirit, it gives our energy, our efforts, uh, they get pointed that direction. Will we turn our spirits towards Jesus and where Jesus is calling us? Uh, because you end up worshiping whatever gets your focus. And if your focus is on Jesus and on God, our worship will be true. And we will respond like the disciples, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Will we set our sight on Jesus? That's the invitation today. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for how many times we've been sinking and cried out, Lord, save me. Some of those times are drastic, Lord, that they're the, the big moments that stick out in our lives, that things felt chaotic. But Lord, we thank you for each of those small, everyday life circumstances in which we've cried out for your help and you've been there to save us, Lord. Lord, help us to have that courage and that faithfulness that comes from remembering your faithfulness. Lord, I ask that everyone who's experiencing waves and, and the strong winds, whether that's health challenges, whether that's job challenges, whatever those challenges are, Lord, I ask that you would help their sight, help them to see you at work in their life, help them to see you and, and choose to walk and follow after you. Lord, let us not be content with just seeing you at work, but, but wanting to join in and wanting to follow you and be a part of what you are doing in this world. Lord, we ask that you would just move our spirits, move this community even more to following you faithfully. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.